beautiful song, and wow, would you rather see our youth people up here singing, or would you rather see them in the world? It's a, an important question. Um, I have some indications to give you for uh, November 8th, so please pay attention to the best of your ability, because this is going to be the last time you are told here from the pulpit. And uh, maybe the, uh, the uh, ushers can, can help us with that on, on, on Wednesday, November the 8th. So, Brother Luke, are you going to be here that day? Can you please, please be in charge and give them these directions to the ushers? So, um, of course, it's a surprise birthday party dinner, whatever you want to call it. And we don't want him to know. And the best way for us to do this is for us to leave the services when they're done as soon as possible, but go park your car back there into the basketball court and then go into the old building. We're going to be turning the lights off. So, but please, 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 please don't stay talking to pastor that day because the food is going to grow cold, okay? So um, just leave as, as, as soon as you can. Go park yourself or, or your car over there. Go into the old auditorium, and I'm going to be there with my guitar with the lights off. So we're going to tell Mrs. McNath to tell Pastor to go and shut the lights off. And as soon as he opens up the door that divides the auditorium with the fellowship hall, we're going to be starting uh, to sing happy birthday. Okay. Now, Brother Luke and I were talking a little while ago, and it came to our minds that this year is his 35th uh, year anniversary in this church. So I'm going to be taking the liberty uh, to ask any of you if you would like to give a special love offering to pastor. I mean, I'm not, I, I usually don't do this, but we have a good pastor. Not, you don't have to give it if you want to, okay? But if you do, uh, put it on the uh, offering plate and we may have enough to give um, Pastor Love offering on his birthday for his 35th uh, year anniversary in this church. What do you think? Does that sound good? Amen? Yes. Okay, well, let's pray about it and let God, let, let God work and uh, we'll have a good time. Okay, bring a, a gift card, whatever you, whatever you want to bring to Pastor, just as a sign of appreciation. Okay, nobody told me to do this. He didn't ask me to do this. Um, I just, I, I love that man. Okay. He's a, he's a good man. He's a godly man. So let's, let's give our best uh, for God and for him on November 8th. Okay? Very good. So uh, Ms. Marsha has been going around writing up the uh, names of people confirming to be here that Wednesday. It's not that you have to be here, but we, we, we need to have a figure of how much food we, we're, we're going to be preparing. And although we're going to be doing uh, pozole, I mean, um, but we, st we still need a number, so um, please be uh, compliant or, or, or um, flexible with this and uh, uh, give Ms. Marsha your name and the number of people that are going to be coming with you that day, okay? Very good. So um, no Facebook today. I think I'm going to have a little bit of more freedom to preach because uh, the camera makes me nervous. So um, let's all go to Genesis chapter 27. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 27. And 
verse number 34. Genesis chapter 27, verse number 34. Let's all stand, please, and we're going to be reading uh, this verse in one accord. Okay? Very good. Read it with me. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Let's pray. Heavenly God, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, for your Holy Spirit and the conviction that he brings into our lives. Lord, how easy it is for us to take the wrong attitude when it's our fault and when we've sinned. But Father, teach us tonight to just lower our pride down to take the right attitude when we sin. Bless our pastor as he preaches in Texas, give him the words to speak. Allow your spirit to speak to that church and for them to increase their faith promise. And just thank you, God, for the great privilege that you've given us to be called your children and to be saved. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> um, last week I was in Texas, in Edinburgh, and Brother Nilaria says hi to everybody. Brother Bill Wall says hi to everybody. He was there too preaching, and um, it was so nice to see them both. So that was a blessing. Well, the title of my, of my message tonight is The Two Attitudes You May Take When You Sin. Esau is one of the examples that the Bible uses to teach us not to do the wrong things. It is crazy how God uses people, and if there would be uh, a book written ever, I hope my name, it's not written in there to give a bad example. I hope that my name is written there to give a good example of what, the, of what a good Christian life ought to be. But Isa is a bad example given in the Bible to, to teach us how to prevent bad things to come to our lives. So the problem with Isa is not that he lost the blessing of his father because Jacob took it away from him. The problem with Esau was his heart despising the blessing he had since he was born. So he was the firstborn, and the firstborn in, in the uh, Jewish culture or in the uh, Hebrew culture had the rights to all the inheritance. And more than that, Esau had the right to be part of, of the descendants of Jesus Christ. I think I said it right. And he despised that great blessing of his own, and he said, what is that good for? I mean, I'm going to die one day. I don't need that. And when it came to the time when his father was almost to pass away, Rebecca loved Jacob, and, he, and, and Isaac loved Esau. You know, a lot of parents say that they don't have favorites in their houses, but you know, the Bible shows us that they, some of them do. <laughs> and, and, and Isaac and Rebecca were, were that family where, they'd had, where, where each one of them had their, their favorite kid. And that was bad, actually. It was really bad because it created problems. We don't know if Esau um, grew up having a little bit of bitterness against 
Jacob because he was a spoiled one. I, I, I'm guessing they wouldn't have him go outside and do hard work because the Bible says that he liked to be inside. Of, uh, he liked to do indoor work. He helped his mother. He was loved by his mother. But in, it, it, it doesn't matter what, <laughs> what happened since when they, when, when they were little kids. The point is Esau despised the blessing of God by him being the firstborn. And he had the blessing of God. It didn't matter if Jacob was a cheater. And by, by the way, the name, the name Jacob means deceiver. It means cheater. That's crazy how people were named even from, from when they were born according to their personality. And even, even, even though Jacob was a cheater, even though Jacob was a deceiver, Esau rejected the blessing of God from a very long time to the time we come to the death of Isaac or to the time where he was going to pass away. And the verse we read at the beginning that says, And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. Why did he cry bitterly? Well, because he lost the inheritance. He lost all that his father wanted to give him. Remember, he, Isaac loved Esau, and he had a lot of things to give to him. But the problem is that you can't mock God. You can't make fun of God and get away with it. And you know what God used? I'm not saying God led Jacob to do what he did, but God used what Jacob did to fulfill his purpose because Esau didn't have the right heart. And the saddest thing that we see here is not the mistake that Esau committed when he rejected the blessing of God by being the firstborn. The problem and the saddest thing that we see is the attitude that he takes. You know, a lot of people, they feel they're the best and they're the highest on top of everybody else. And that's a problem that we deal with Christians because a lot of times, you know, uh, a lot of Christians, they get saved and then, and then God changes their lives. God changes their, their family environment. God changes uh, uh, even their work environment. Uh, God removes um, addictions or bad habits from their lives. And time passes by. Or, uh, and they, they, they think and then they start believing to themselves that they're above and beyond everybody because they're, they're holy. And the thing is, we're in the same boat. I mean, I'm not, I'm not supporting sinning. We have to live a holy life. God, God tells us in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I believe it's verse number 2 or 3, it says that the will of God is, is our holiness. It's, it's our sanctification. It's our separation from the world. Don't take me wrong. we we got to be holy. But not because you're holy means that you're on top of everybody. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul spoke, I think, to the church of Philippians in chapter 2, saying that we have to be humble and that we have to be servants of everybody, just like Christ humbled himself and he became a servant and he died on the cross. So nobody is on top of every, anybody. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. And, and, and if God changed your life and if God has done things in your life, well, praise be to God, not to me. Amen? Because he's the one that, 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 that makes miracles, not me. But the problem is when we mess up, 
And we don't have the right attitude. And the, and the two attitudes that I want to speak tonight about is the attitude of pridefulness and the attitude of humbleness. Which one of those two attitudes do you take when you sin? See, we, we are taught by the world that when you make a mistake or that when you do something really bad, it's very bad for us to lower ourselves and to admit it before everybody. A lot of people say, well, just admit it within yourself and then just change it, but don't let anybody know because then you'll appear weak before other people and then they'll take advantage of you. But that's not what the Bible says. And we'll, we'll go into humbleness here in a little bit, but I, I, I really want to focus in the prideful attitude that Esau took when he sinned. He rejected the blessing of God. He rejected, rejected the blessing of his father when he was in time of, a, of, of hunger. He was hungry, and, and Jacob had a, had a stew prepared, and he came and said, you know what, can you give me some? And Jacob said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll trade it for you. Give me, uh, give me the right of being for the firstborn, and then you can have my food. And then that's when Esau said, well, what is, what is that good for, for me? So yeah, he said, okay, deal, I'll give you the right to be the firstborn. Born and you can give me the food to eat. And that hurt on God's heart. Because Jesus Christ was going to be born from the descendants of the firstborn of Isaac. And Esau rejected that. It was not just a word thing. It was a heart thing. See, we may all say a lot of things. And of course, our words reflect What's in our heart. And many people deceive or want to deceive themselves by saying, oh, I'm good with God. I'm right with God. I love God. But, but their actions say the total opposite thing of what they're saying. I've learned through these nine years that I've been a pastor to not go off what by what people say. I've learned to go off by what, what people do. I mean, and, and it's really hard because, <laughs> I mean, we're not God. We can't see the heart. We, we, we don't know if somebody is lying. But when the actions of a person keep supporting what's in their heart, you have to ignore their words and go off by what they do. See, Esau had a heart problem. It wasn't his words. It was what he really wanted in his heart. And when he lost the blessing of his father, he cried bitterly. But not only that, see, a, a, a prideful attitude will bring bitterness to your life. But a prideful attitude will bring hatred to your life. Let's go a little bit more forward. Verse number 41. And the Bible reads like this. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning of my father are at hand. Then, it says, will I slay my brother Jacob. I will kill him, in, in other words. See, pridefulness doesn't do any good to us. I have to humble myself every day. I have to lower my pride every day. And we all do. And we all have to. When you go to the store, when you're speaking to somebody, when you're dealing with business, when you're coming to church, you have to humble yourself willingly. Nobody can force you to do that. You have to, you have to choose it. 
Pridefulness brings hatred. Pridefulness brings payback. Payback. Now I'm pretty sure that Isaac loved Esau. Because the Bible says so. And I believe what the Bible says. And see, when, when, when Esau lost the blessing, instead of focusing on all the good that, J, that, that Isaac had done for him, he focused on one little thing, losing the blessing. And let's, let's read another verse where it tells us that he tried to pay back his parents. Uh, chapter 28, verse number 6. Chapter 28 and verse number 6. And the Bible says, And when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram uh, to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padan Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased, listen to that, pleased not Isaac, his father. What did he do? Verse number 9. Then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives, which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, uh, to be his wife. I was uh, listening to a preaching uh, the last week. And the, the preacher was saying that the Palestinians are descendants from Esau. You see, we see the consequences of the pridefulness of Esau by just trying to pay back his parents by losing the blessing or for losing the blessing. See, pridefulness doesn't bring any good to our lives. Pridefulness doesn't let your spiritual life grow, but more sadly, Pridefulness doesn't let your church grow. It's a truth. We can all be prideful. We can all defend our rights. We can all defend our arguments. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that God blesses and God receives the humble and rejects the prideful. That's what my Bible says. I don't know what yours says. And if you don't believe me, go to... You don't have to go now, but look at it on James chapter 4, verse number 6, 7, 8, 9. And we can speak about a lot of things that pridefulness brings into our lives. Payback, hatred, bitterness. It takes you apart from your family. Remember what the decision that Esau took? Esau decided to go away from his family. But you know what's the funny part? The funny part is that Esau started taking wrong decisions even before he lost the blessing. Let's go to another verse, chapter 26, verse number 34. When I read these verses a long time ago, I thought to myself, wow, the Bible is right when it says that our decisions affect others too. Chapter 26, verse number 34, the Bible reads like this. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to, uh, to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and 
Bashemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And, and, and please pay attention to verse number 35. Which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. You know what the Spanish version says? Which were a bitterness unto Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, grief and bitterness, word, uh, uh, those two words come from the same root word in Hebrew. But it's amazing how Esau, even before his dad died, he started taking on decisions. Pridefulness leads you to take bad decisions. But we don't want to talk all bad. <laughs> Amen. We don't want to focus on the bad. We want to we also speak about the good. Hey, we all sin. There's nobody here that has never sinned except the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the, he's the only perfect one. And praise the Lord for that because that was the reason why he went to the cross to die for me, for me and for my sins. Because he lived a perfect life. But you and I haven't lived a perfect life. I mean, you and I have sinned, have had wrong thoughts, have taken the wrong decisions that go against sometimes God and sometimes our family. We have all taken Wrong decisions, and, some, and, and we've all sinned. But the question is, what kind of an attitude do you take? What kind of an attitude do you take when you do something against somebody in church? Do you take a humble attitude by saying, you know what, I'm going to go ask for forgiveness. I'm going to go and say I'm sorry. I'm going to go say, hey, is there anything I can do to make it better to fix it? Or do you take the prideful attitude that Esau took? You know what Esau could have done? Esau could have gone to pray to God and say, you know what, God, forgive me. I rejected your blessing. I don't know if there's another chance for me, but could you please work in my life? But instead of doing that, he just held his position of pridefulness. And he lived a miserable life. The humble attitude. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 15. We're not going to read all the story about the prodigal son. I just want to focus on a few areas of his humbleness. Now, if we were to think tonight, what was worse or what was the worst sin? The sin that Esau committed by rejecting, rejecting a blessing or the sin that the prodigal son committed by asking his dad his inheritance before he passed away. And then going away to a heathen land and wasted all the inheritance in a lost way. What, what was worse? If we were to be honest, we would say, you know what? The decision that the prodigal son took, that was the worst one. That was the worst thing. Because he, he didn't just... Uh, God, the inheritance, or half of what his dad had from, he went and wasted it. But you see, I am so glad that God uses our mistakes and our sins even for his purpose. And that's, that's not to justify what we do. Don't take me wrong because God blesses those who do things right. But we, we, we see the life of Rahab. She was... She was a prostitute, and just by one good decision he made, God blessed her. And the Lord Jesus Christ came out of her descendants. Ruth, 
She was a heathen. She, she did not believe in the God of Israel, but she got to marry a rebel. <laughs> Amen? Because the, son, uh, the, 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 son, the sons of, of Naomi, they were rebelling to God by marrying heathen. They were prohibited to marry heathen. But I'm, I am so amazed and so thankful of how God, even through our rebellion and our sins, he works in through his purpose. So the sin of the prodigal son was worse than the sin of Esau. God could have restored Esau. God could have done something with Esau. Maybe not give him the full blessing, but God could have, could have done something with Esau if he would have just been humble. But he wasn't. And that now we see the prodigal son, and even though it's a parable, it's not a, it's not a true event, God illustrates how God is so forgiving and restoring. It saddens me that sometimes the Christians that have lived a good life have a more prideful heart than the ones that have messed up their life. And I hate that. You know why I hate it? Because God, God, God died for that one who has done to the best of his ability and God died for the one that has messed up his whole life. And we are not to have, a, to have a prideful attitude. But let's see. Luke chapter 15, verse number 16. We read like this. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to, to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, I have sinned against heaven and in, my, and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. What a great story. You know, God illustrates his love and his mercy towards sinners by, 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 by giving this parable, by giving the parable of the, parable, parable, excuse me, of the lost sheep, by giving the parable of the lost coin. And how God, how much God loves us. And how much God loves the lost sinner. Hey, you're saved. I'm saved. I hope you are. Amen. But it doesn't end right there. You got to let, you got to tell lost people there's a God that loves them. We are so selfish sometimes. We just enclose ourselves in our little bauble. In our little perfect life. Bible, and don't get out of there to tell us sinners they need the Lord Jesus. Woe well on us. But we see that the uh, prodigal son took a humble attitude, number one, 
when he admitted where he was. Verse number 16 says, and he, would have, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave them to him. You know, the Lord Jesus gives an emphasis on this right there on the swines, because in the Jewish culture, taking care of, of, of swines or, or taking care of pigs was an abomination. They hated, and they hate pigs to this day. But you see, the prodigal son was humble enough to admit where he was. Where was he? He was eating from that abominable animal that they were prohibited to even touch. He was taking care of them. He was feeding them. And he actually was so hungry that he desired to eat a little bit of what the swine were eating. But you know what? It takes a humble attitude. It, it takes a humble spirit to admit where you're at. You cannot improve your, your spiritual life. You cannot improve your Christian life if you do not admit the state you're in right now. Number two, he was humble enough to admit the place where he was really happy. And we read verse number 17, it says, and when he, listen to that, when he came to himself, sin will make you go out of yourself. <laughs> it'll, it'll deceive you for that short of a time that it's casing you. But the Bible says that when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Hey, let me tell you something. Sometimes it's inedible for us not to sin because we have a flesh. We have to do the best in our own not to sin, but we're going to mess up. But when you mess up, you have to be humble enough to admit where is that place that feeds your spirit. The first dumb and stupid thing that people do when they sin, and excuse my language, but I need you to grab this point. But the most stupid thing that people do when they sin is, is get away from church or getting away from church. Don't do that. They start missing services. You know what, if one person was, be, was a busy person, was the Lord Jesus Christ. He would get up at 3 in the morning. He would spend the whole night praying. And the next day he would be preaching in the little towns. But he never had an excuse not to have a personal relationship with his father. Never. Or you show me in the Bible. Where the Bible says, and Jesus had to go water the trees and he couldn't go into the towns. Or you showed me in, in, in the Bible where the Bible says, and he had to go work for a little bit to pay the electrical bill and couldn't come to pray. We don't find that in the Bible. Even when the, when the disciples, remember, when he, when he was going to be surrendered into, into the guards that night when he was praying in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, how Peter, and I think, I believe it was John, they were praying, and what happened? They fell asleep. And Jesus went out to pray, and he was, he, he was in anguish. He was, he, he, was, he was worried. He knew what he had to do, and he was praying. And when he came back, he found them snoring. 
And what did he do? He woke him up. Hey, wake up. It's not time to sleep. It's time to pray. Pray, pray, pray. He didn't tell him, oh, it's okay. You're tired. Oh, I, I, I understand you work all day, so, so you're exempt. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, get up right now and start praying. The devil's going to tempt you. There's a lot of things that you need to be worrying about right now. See, the dumbest thing people do when they sin is get away from church. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come closer to God. Well, I'm going to be feeling unworthy. Well, that's the point. You know, God makes us feel unworthy because he makes us feel like that because he wants us to know and to admit and to realize how much we need him. How much of a mess we are without him. Hey, there's, there's, there, 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 there's a lot of things in your life that you may think they're important, but no, not, nothing and nobody should be more important than God in your life. Because if you fail God, you're going to fail people. If you fail God, you're going to fail your work. Be humble. And admit, I, I, I remember when I used to be happy in church. I remember when I used to sing the songs with, with rejoicing, joyful. And, and when I had a smile because I was happy, because God had forgiven my sins, because God had, had brought joy to my life. I remember, I got to go back to that place. But you're prideful, what's it going to happen? Oh, I don't need to go to church. Oh, I don't need to go to church with that perfect people. I don't need to go to church with a, with, with, or to that church that's, that's full of hypocrites. Let me tell you something. Everybody in church is a hypocrite at one time or another. And if you say you haven't been, maybe you, you've been the greatest hypocrite. We've all been hypocritical. But the church is the best place where God meets our spirit. Two weeks ago, I went to a conference in Farmington. And the pastor there from California, he said something that caught my attention. He said, watching services through live stream through Facebook, it's like being in a cold house with a TV on and a fire on on the screen. As close as you want to get to the fire on the screen, you're not going to feel any heat. You're seeing a fire, but you're not feeling it. And same thing it is with live streaming. I mean, what a blessing we can have that. Amen. What a blessing that the technology can go beyond our ability to communicate. But the problem is live streaming is not church. The church is here. 56 Arroyo Seco Circle, Espanola, New Mexico. And if you don't know where it is, I'll give you the zip code 87532. This is what church is. And when you were first saved, before you went away from God, if you, if you did, this is your happy place. This is the place where God feeds your spirit. Movies aren't going aren't to feed your spirit. Worldly songs, music is not going to feed your spirit. Worldly activities, a concert, football game, basketball game, they're not going to feed your spirit. 
God uses a church to feed me. But you have to be humble enough to admit it. Number three. Time's flying by. Number three, he had the humbleness. Let's read the next um, verse in verse number 18. He had the humbleness to put in action what he needed to do. It says, verse number 18, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son Make me as one of thy servants. And he arose and came to his father. A lot of people, they know what they need to do. Right? It's like when you're trying to pay your debts, you know what you need to do. Cut your expenses. Don't eat at restaurants. Don't go out as much. Don't buy unnecessary things. But why don't, why don't people get out of debt? Because they don't want to. They don't want to miss out on those things. One thing is to know what we need to do, and the other is to put in action what we know what we need to do. Do I make sense? I hope I'm not mixing it too much where you're not understanding. But it, it, it's hard to express my ideas in another language that's not my, my native language. He put in action that plan. Verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. Pay the, price, pay the price, pay the cost. You gotta, maybe you got to turn off your TV. Maybe you got to turn off your phone. There's so much junk on the phone. There's so many good things on the phone, but you know what? There's so much junk on the phone. Hey, sometimes we need to laugh. You watch a video, funny video, somebody falling. Okay, well, that lasts one minute, but you spent hours. We spent hours. Put in action a plan. Be willing to pay the price. Be willing to confess sin. Be willing to receive the shame because Christ took the shame on the cross. So you see, what people think of me, <laughs> it could be useless if I'm putting my sin on the cross of Calvary with Jesus Christ. Because it's not what about the it's not what the, what the people it's not about what the people think it's what God thinks and if God has forgiven me He will restore me it'll take time it'll it'll I mean I'm gonna have to pay the price but He'll do it I just have to be humble I have to pay the price I have to get I have to get up in, early in the morning on Sunday Thank you, brother David I have to get up early on Sunday get ready for church for Sunday school. You know what, I don't come to the English service, and I'm not going to ask uh, you to raise your hands, but how many of you come to Sunday school on Sunday? And you may say, well, I don't need Sunday school. Yes, you do. Because none of us know it all. None of us stop learning until the day we die. And you know what, there's a man that stands up behind this pulpit every Sunday. And that takes hours of studying to bring a lesson that you don't learn because you don't come. Now, I don't know who comes to Sunday school. I'm over there on the Spanish ministry. But what I'm saying is, you want to get your spiritual life better? Pay the price. You want to get rid of your sin? 
pay the price. Pay the price. Do you come Sunday nights? Do you come to the prayer meeting on Sunday nights? Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I had to go look at a job. Oh, I had to go to the store. Or I, I had to go buy lunch for Monday. <laughs> well, you know what God may do? He might cut your finances because you're cutting his time in church. Come to pray. We, we need people praying. We want revival, but we don't pray. We want revival, but we, 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 don't, we don't seek for unity in the church because, oh, I don't want to pray for, with that person because that person has done something to me. Leave your pride behind. How many people come to the prayer meeting? How many people come to visitation? Pay the price. Pay the price. Well, I work a lot during the week, and I don't have time for visitation. I come Wednesdays to church. I come Sunday mornings, and I come Sunday evenings, but I can't come one more day. I mean, I don't want to be leaving in church all the time. Pay the price. Pay the price. Hey, I'd rather spend time with God and give God his time and cut my finances than, in, than increasing my finances and cutting God's timing and then God not helping me, with, helping me with my family. Oh, yeah, maybe you're taking your kids to Disneyland. Maybe you're taking your kids to Universal Studios. Maybe you're taking your kids to trips all over the country. Maybe you're, you're giving your kids uh, uh, Jordans, Nikes, uh, all kinds of, of, uh, of branded clothing. But without God's help. And let me tell you, if you're doing that without God's help, that's useless. Because you may have your kids' hearts for a little bit because you're giving them what they want, but at the, at the time that you didn't give them what they want, what, what are they going to do? They're going to turn against you. A lot of people think they're smarter, they are smarter than God, but we're not smarter than God. Than God. God knows what he's doing. Pay the price. Number four. I'm almost done, I promise you. He was humble enough to admit his unworthiness. We read in verse number 18. It says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And we read in verse number 21. And the son said unto him, unto him Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. What's the opposite of this attitude? Well, I'm human. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody sins, so I'm okay. I'm good. I'll just stand up, get up again, live my life. That's a prideful attitude. The prodigal son was so humble that he said, I'm not worthy. I've sinned so much. I've I failed my father so much. I'm not worthy to be even called the son. And you see, when we mess up, when we sin, and we come to church with a prideful attitude by saying, oh, nobody can judge me. Oh, nobody can say or talk about my sin. I'm, I, I'm just as good as anybody. God does not receive prideful sinners. He does not. <laughs> you may want to justify it however you want, but... God does not receive prideful sinners. He receives, he receives the humble ones. 
And lastly, and I'm going to finish with this one. He was humble enough to receive forgiveness. Verse number 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat. What does the, la the last phrase says? And be merry, be happy. Rejoice. Because my, my, my son was lost in the world and he came back. You see. We might be humble to admit where we're at. We might be humble to admit where we need to be. We might be humble to, be, to, to, be, to, to admit we're unworthy. But, but, to re but to be humble and receive forgiveness? We have two extremes. We have the people who think they're too worthy to come back to God. And, we, and then we have to the, 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 other, the people that, that feel too unworthy to come back to God. But God says... Hey, come back. But Father, I'm, I'm so unworthy. I don't, I, I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve to be in church. I don't deserve to be part of your purpose. And God says, just come back. All I want to do is forgive you. You see, two different attitudes. The attitude of pridefulness and the attitude of humbleness. And those are the only two attitudes. You can take when you sin, when you fail God. We all fail God at one time or another in our lives. If you have already failed God, what's your attitude been? And if you haven't, and I hope you don't sin or you mess up, but if you ever do, what's the attitude you're going to take? Let's all bow our heads, close our eyes.